Chapter 25 The Things That Want to Chase Us She slept on top of me. Over Miri's shoulder, I watched the stars blink tiny white holes into the black. Nighttime brought a loneliness that pulled me down. It sank Miri's weight into me and pushed my back past the damp sand. The earth swallowed me, and I was buried. Asleep underground with Miri, I dreamed the dirt weighed nothing, and we flew like fast birds through all the world's insides. Death wasn't density. No sky either. It was darker than any poem written of it, blacker than behind closed eyes. Death was weightless, and me and Miri soared through it together. We rushed circles around the ending, twisting infinity to a tangled cord, making a real mess of things, until I blinked back awake. Then the stars did, too, and they were eye to eye with me again. Little white tears in the black, such lonely, lonely things. They looked down upon me and Miri, and together we waited for the sun. It came with raindrops, scattered and thick as spitballs, pregnant with water, a single cloud aborted on us in passing, there and then gone, emptied, forgetting to leave a trace. The sky was wide open, going to be another hot one. My mind was waking up, but my body was not following suit. With Miri pressing against me through the night, my nerves were comatose, not so much as a tingle. Freshly risen themselves, Haruki and Del came to my aid, lifting me from either side. Haruki sat Miri and me back on our buckets and began to massage my limbs. Their revival came thick with pinpricks. Thank you, I said. That feels a lot better. I did this for Sammy every day, he told me. For the first two weeks, before he was able to get up, I would turn him and work on him like this. I moved my fingertips and wiggled my toes, waiting for sensation to swim back in. How did you know how to make him better? I asked. How to get his body to work again after all that time? I love Haruki's smile. His face was wearing it when he told me, I've always been good with mechanical things. I have a knack for it. He continued to massage my legs. And the body's just another machine. Anyhow, Sammy did most of the work. He was a highly motivated patient. Still smiling. The rest of the camp was waking up. Scattered about, peeing, brushing teeth, grazing, packing things lowering my voice to a volume that hovered just between Haruki and me, I said, Sammy, why is he being the way he's being to me? Like all of this is my fault. Haruki was walking his fingertips in heavy steps along the muscles of my forearm. It felt really good. He didn't say anything of the dead sister strapped to my chest. Instead, you know how he is. He doesn't mean it. Just give him some time. 
I could tell Haruki had much more to say. Plenty. But I decided to leave it there. Sure. Okay. How's that? He asked. Improved? Yes, a lot. I shook my arms out and stretched my legs. I felt like I could stand, even walk maybe. Thank you so much. Of course. We'll try to start the mornings that way. I have some other ideas too. He stood and made his way to Sammy, who was currently rummaging through the contents of two extremely large coolers I'd somehow neglected to notice. All right, contestants, Sammy spoke loudly, gathering the camp's attention. A little early morning trivia. Brief pause. Guess what poor people do whenever you pay them? He didn't wait for an answer. Whatever you tell them to. Some grassy gruel stuck in its beard. The goat looked up from grazing and shook its head at Sammy. With just an eighth of herb, a 12-pack, and a tank of gas, I magically transformed two of Yolandi's dirty cousins into my personal pack mules. He then reached into the coolers and began tossing out procurements in triplet. Three large packs, three pairs of hiking boots, shorts, shirts, multi-purpose tools, even watches. Nice. All items high quality and obviously expensive. Freaking sweet! Dell was stoked. Oh my god, thank you. Dress torn, sticky and textured with pond sand, Sia was more than happy to get out of it, and did so right there. Dell covered his eye, keeping a small gap between two fingers. I waited anxiously for Sammy to pass some shorts my way. My poofy dukes had never been less comfortable. They were soggy and filled with dirt, and it appeared I'd peed them last night. Or maybe it was Miri. I don't know. Remy, you're all good over there, right? Sammy was enjoying this. You look amazing. Haruki landed his BF a quick reprimand before bringing me some new shorts himself. I'll help you change in a minute, he promised. The coolers seemed bottomless. The variety of supplies Sammy produced was beyond unnecessary. Bags of Skittles, handheld video games, portable speakers, tanning lotion, the list went on and on, including flavored blunt wraps and a gallon-sized Ziploc filled with herb. I could smell it from where I sat. Pine musk, purple funk. Very dank. Lastly, he tossed two small items, one at me, one to Sia. A journal and pen for me a compact paint set for her. Then, closing the coolers, You're welcome. There was mention of a 12-pack? Dell's third morning with no warrior juice. Do you also have tall pilsners? Uh, possibly a concentrated protein source? Lack of reply affirmed in the negative. Dell was out of luck. Still pretty stoked on the Skittles and Boots, though. Having watched the entire show without a word, Yolandi moved toward Sammy's treasure pile. He was kneeling beside it, busy filling his pack, 
You're a clown. Her voice was cold and honest. You act as though you're going on vacation. This isn't going to be a good time. She was addressing all of us now. This isn't a game, and we'll have no time for them. Yolandi tossed Sammy's portable video game into the coals. A Cloud Castle cartridge inserted, Miri's favorite. You want to weigh yourself down with trinkets and useless junk, be my guest. But I assure you, at some point you will need to run. And when that time comes, your only wish will be that you could run faster. Her piece now said, Yolandi kicked aside everything she deemed excessive, leaving the pile a much smaller thing. A few of her decisions were unacceptable to Sammy, and he quickly reacquired the items. You mean something's going to be after us? Much intrigue in Dell's voice. Like a chase? Or a battle? Yes, that's what I mean. And it is nothing to be excited about. Not even for the god body of warrior Biclops. Music to Dell's ears. As he stood beaming, a number of glances saying a number of different things were silently traded between the rest of our group. If haste were to become the imperative, Miri and I would certainly not make for a spry combo. That much was clear. Get changed and get packed. Yolandi was obviously the one in charge. We should already have left. We took the same route Miri and I used to walk together. Yolandi leading, we headed out from Purple Pond in the direction of the statue garden. It wasn't a direct path to the first true rise in the mountain range, making the garden seem an inefficient destination and one I didn't understand the necessity of. But I didn't mind. I liked the idea of my and Miri's last walk together starting here, somewhere familiar, somewhere we used to enjoy. The poofy goat trotted in stride with Yolandi, its curly rear drooped, dingleberried and discolored, swaying like two wet mops. Dell cut into the quiet. Hey, he called ahead. What's your poofy goat's name? Did you give it a name? Without turning or slowing, he's not my goat, Yolandi replied. He's my friend. And he has a name, but I didn't give it to him. What is it? What's his name? Brad. Dell smiled. Brad, Brad, chiming out the poofy goat's name in its own dirty accent. Ass curls kept in sway, Brad turned to Dell with a sharp look. He wasn't pleased with the impression. Sorry, apologized Dell. My bad. Then, smiling a little under his breath. My bad, he giggled. This tickled Sammy, I could tell. It was very nice to see. No one spoke for quite a while. All of us in our own heads, we continued walking. An anterior Miri and posterior backpack cocooning me in the cargo of 200 additional pounds, I somehow arrived at the statue garden without collapsing. Very impressed with myself. One hour, 
Yolanti informed us. Eat, rest, do what you need to do. We won't be stopping again today. Our party broke off, separating privately to where we felt drawn. Del visited Biclops, and as always, tried to help the warrior god find his missing toe. Haruki and Sia paired and found a spot near the edge of the garden to sit together. Sammy stayed behind. For the first time since we were children, he returned to the statue of his godsake. Two arms and two legs, strong and capable, Sammy sat himself down beside the limbless stone snake, its head broken off, almost completely buried now. He spent the hour there, alone with himself. I have no idea what they talked about. Up the crumbled staircase to the higher plateau, my and Miri's spot, I lowered myself and leaned back, using my pack as a prop. I found all the pieces of this place still there, same as ever. The deep silence, the kind that turns all your quiet parts to noise, the sense of time melting away from whatever future you may have come here by, the feel of being somewhere special, where things are allowed to be sacred, even magical. Resting there, the memory of what it was to exist in this space with Miri came back sharply. It used to feel like being hung on the edge of thousands of years, of being written with flawless timing into the life of the goddess beside me, the two of us as a tiny story inside eternity, Miri and I, tucked away and hidden like a scribbled poem in the margins. But half the lines were now erased, and there was no longer any poetry here, just a hot sun and a horizon to head toward. In the distance, the forest's edge cut a dark line between blue sky and bright green. The sight of it had always left me unsettled, and even now, wishing my life to soon become past tense, it seemed a very unattractive place for that wish to be realized. My thoughts traveled back to the times Miri'd asked me to leave with her. We can go to the forest, she'd say, to the mountains, all the way to the ocean, anywhere. Even the smallest recollection of her landed in my mind like an earthquake, slanting lines down the center of me and separating the middle. The surface of my heart slid away to the idea of Miri like drifting plates beneath her ocean. I couldn't stay there. When I grieve, I promised myself it will be for both of us. I swallowed the thought and traveled my eyes back to the garden spread below me. Seated with her legs crossed at the feet of goddess Are, Yolandi's eyes remained fixed on the fallen arm, the remaining half-moon still held in the goddess's hand. She liked seeing Are this way. She could relate. To not be able to keep hold of what is most valuable. To break beneath the weight of it and lose to the effort. Yolandi's empathy was a dark connection drawn difficult. Her prayer, a quick one. Please, she asked. Just get on with it. I watched as Yolandi removed a crumbled clutch of cloud flowers from her pack and placed them at Are's feet. I'd already guessed, but now I knew. It had been her all along. I decided not to tell Miri. Not yet. Pack swung over the shoulder, no goodbye, 
No parting glance to R.A., Yolandi announced. It's time to leave. Del was ready, all set and in tow, but unfortunately without. Again, no luck with Biclops's missing appendage. What is our destination? He inquired. The forest's edge. We will make camp there tonight. Slow to arrive, I'd missed the announcement. Where are we heading now? I asked. No one answered. It was dark by the time we arrived. With the full moon showing and leaving behind clouds, the scene came set in a lighting sparse and spooky. Our first priority was getting a fire going. Yolandi asked everyone to gather wood. We'll need a lot, she said. The fire must burn until morning. Stay within voice and do not enter the forest. Del paid no heed. Close, standing at the edge and peering into the tree line, he turned his flashlight on. The beam was swallowed entirely, not so much as a dent in the shadow. Del, snapped Yolandi. He cut the flashlight off. Step back from there. I mean it. It isn't safe. Del moved away, keeping his eye on the trees. The things that want to chase us, is that where they live? Yolandi continued gathering wood as if she hadn't heard the question. But she had. We all had. We sat circled in wide diameter from the fire, wishing brightness and temperature shared no correlation. The heat was a very uncomfortable redundancy to the sweltering night air. Sammy produced a small battery-powered fan, one of the items he'd stolen back from Yolandi's reject pile. He held it an inch from his face, kept sweating through the useless churn of it, called it a piece of shit and tossed it in the fire. The tiny blade continued to hum as it melted. The plastic burned in bright colors, blue to pink to lime green. Lima bears! Sitting across the fire from me with his back to the forest, flaming colors danced Dell's shadow in huge projection onto the trees. Turning to Yolandi, Is that what's in there? He asked. She told him, that is my fear, yes. Then, her face wearing a softer expression. I'm surprised you know of Lima Bearsdell. I'm impressed. I know all the legends of warrior god Biclops, Del said proudly. I've read all of them bunches of times. And because it was important for her to know. I like fast cars, too. That's interesting. Kindness. This was a whole new affect, and Yolandi wore it well. Rudely interrupting, You're such an idiot, dude. Sammy's words came muffled through a mouthful of sour skittles. Lima bears, bro? That's its fairy tale. Sammy funneled another fist of skittles into his face. It's near time you quit with all that little kid stuff, Del. For real. Sammy's eyes passed briefly to Miri, then away again. 
Haruki's expression told Sammy to be nice, please. Agreed. He was a big guy now, extremely fit, and trying to make Dell feel small. It really wasn't cool. Yolandi resumed their conversation. Tell me what you learned about lima bears. What do your legends say about them? Where I'm from, our stories are spoken. We don't have books. Sammy held his tongue. Something about illiteracy rates or poor people, I'm sure. And little Blunt instead. Sia enjoyed it with him. And we all listened as Dell shared. They're smoke animals, right? Mist shifters. Yes, that's right, said Yolandi. What else? They're ancient. Like ancient, ancient. And they kill, ruthlessly. Beastly savage. But they're neutral in the story. A lot of this was going over my head. Not Yolandi's, though. She nodded him on. They're not bad, and they're not good. They kill, or they don't kill, or whatever they do, because that's what the author needs to help move the story. The author sends them to kill something, and that's what they do. They kill it, even gods sometimes. Right? I don't know, Yolandi replied encouragingly. Do they? God bodies like me, for sure, easy. Plenty of them get killed, all the time. They never win. But in the big battles, like between real gods and lima bears, it's sometimes either way. Either can be slayed. You never know. Sounds like we've heard a lot of the same stories. Del smiled. He'd never had anyone to talk seriously with about this kind of stuff. Have you ever seen one? He asked. Awake? No. Only in my dreams. Sounds about right. Sammy got the last word after all, and the conversation ended there, along with the day. Sia volunteered to stay up and tend the fire for a while. Yolandi would take second shift. Unable to sleep, I stayed awake with Sia. She sat on the ground beside Miri and me. We watched the fire in silence. Bright flames scrolled light and shadow in ripples along the surface of the tree line. It looked like dark water reflecting a sky on fire. The projection was otherworldly, and my eyes became lost in the movement of it all, blurred and blank. On the other side of that dark water, just beyond the trees, another set of eyes watched the fire along with us. Far from blurred and nothing blank, black angles slanted in blinkless focus. The onyx eyes of the lima bear looked on as Dell settled down to sleep. Centuries had passed since last they'd met their adversary, since the battle axe of warrior god Biclops had lowered them closed. But they were open now, and not at all impressed. The lima bear's revenge, sweet and easy as it may be, was but a fortunate bonus. It was here for something else. The bear's eyes moved beyond Dell. Without impediment, their gaze swam easily through the flames and slowly, in cold caress, 
traced up and along Miri's goddess arm. Then, rolling silently over her shoulder, landed on me.